Welcome back to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast presented by Sib Sports. This is your host, John Ashcart. And today with me, I'm back with my co-host, Jack Manamater. Pleasure to be here as always. And today, we also are joined by a very, very special guest, professional boxer, Daniel Bailey Jr. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. We're really excited to talk to you. For those of you who do not know Daniel, he hails from Miami, Florida, and right now he's boxing. He's in the featherweight division. He's currently 3-0 with two KOs, and Daniel's also an Army veteran. He's a three-time Army champion. He models. He is signed to Fight Locker, and Daniel, you have a fight coming up this Thursday, April 22nd. You want to tell us about that real quick? Yes, sir. So I will be fighting in West Point, New York, April 22nd on the Twitch app. I will be fighting... Louis Alvarado or something like that. Louis <laughs> Alvarado, something. I don't remember his name. I watched his fights a, a million times over and over again to get my opponent in my head. But other than that, I'm going out there to put on the show for all the cadets out there in West Point, New York. I'm ready. Yeah, we're really excited to be watching that. Again, it's next Thursday, April 22nd. You can access that on Twitch. We'll throw a little link up on our Instagram too at the hottest underscore take pod. So just stay on the look for that, and we're really excited. And let's hop into these questions, Daniel. So going kind of into your background, when you were 11, you traded your bike to a friend who had a punching bag that he really didn't use. How did that How did that kickstart your love for just, like, boxing? And does your friend realize, like, what he helped start? Oh, man. So I was um, living in government housing and everything, so all the houses are really close. Mm-hmm. And... My boy, he had this punching bag, and I was already getting into um, fighting sports a lot. And I was like, bro, I'll give you this bike right now if you give me this punching bag. He's like, for real? I'm like, I'm dead serious. And we made that switch, and I've been hitting that bag for years after that. My best friend, actually, his name was Tavares Payne. He actually passed away when I was about 14 years old. He was on a um, go-kart, and it went up under a truck. It lost, he lost control, and it went under a truck, so he ended up passing away. But it was crazy because before he got into that accident, he was actually going home to get on YouTube to watch me sparring, my first sparring and all of those things. So I'm just making him proud. He has has have his nickname tattooed on my chest. That's inspiration. Yeah. That's sad. Damn, I just made the um, I don't want the, the energy to be low. No, you're you're all good. You're all good, man. It's just, like it's just hunger, man. It's inspiration. It's what what you can be doing this for, right? Right. Definitely. So. So, what were some of your hardest challenges and battles that you had to navigate through as a kid trying to get your foot in the boxing game? Honestly, I, I never really had any trials and tribulations when it came to boxing because it. once I got into the boxing gym, I stayed in the boxing gym. You know, other fighters, they have a problem with staying in a gym or things like that. But for some reason, God always made a way for me to be at the gym. Like, everything could be going wrong back at home, and then I would still have a ride to the gym. Uh, like, I remember one... One Christmas, I said I wanted a bike just so I could ride the bike to the gym so I can't have any excuses for missing a training session. Like, I've always been that guy who was consistent. Like, y'all know if you guys seen my social media, I got, like, pictures of me, like, I'm that little kid who's, like, riding to the gym, and they're like, yo, where are your parents at? <laughs> Mom, and I can't get the train, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's always been me. So, like, kind of speaking again, like, on your childhood, like, as a kid, was there a moment that you realized that you were better than most kids your age and that 
becoming a, a professional boxer was a realistic goal for you? When I was a kid, I think I was about 14 years old, and they closed down the boxing gym that was close to my home. And I had to take like a bus and train in another bus just to go to the boxing gym every day. And now I have to do that coming back. And when I used to be there at that gym, it used to be a whole bunch of Cuban kids, and they used to be fucking me up. They used to have way more experience than I had. They had like 40 fights, and they would beat my ass. And the coach would be telling me things, and I used to be going there in the ring and try to perform it. I used to be like, man, it's like this kid knows exactly what I'm doing. Come to find out, his dad was telling him what I was going to throw in Spanish, and I never knew this. <laughs> but I used to go, after the sparring session, I would go and sit down in the ring. I'd look down Oh no, this shit for me. <laughs> and then I'll come right back the next day. And then over time, people start noticing that because I was the only one who was there who couldn't speak Spanish, but yeah. other people was it. And then eventually, it's like, oh, this kid really want to be someone. So they was like, hey, come here. And they start other um, fighters will pull me to the side and teach me things. And I was just like driven, like I don't know, like uh, ass whooping wasn't. Gonna, I'm that kid where you you could whoop his ass and he's still gonna talk shit after. Like, <laughs> it's not gonna stop me. <laughs> yeah. Did you end up learning? So, did you end up learning any Spanish to kind of combat that? I didn't, but I I end up beating that kid ass. Good, good. <laughs> Got your revenge. That's Got good. that revenge. So take us through an average day of training for you, and then what are some of the differences that you had in your training when you were on active duty versus now that you're out? So when I was in the um, world class athlete program, I would wake up at around seven o'clock and then head over to the um, the U.S. Army post for Carson and do strength and conditioning for about an hour and a half with a strength and conditioning coach. And then we'll come back again at 3 p.m. and do a boxing session. And then um, the Army training will be done. But I was that overachiever, so I would go to another boxing gym and train again and then go to 24-hour fitness and do a run before heading home. So that was only my day, day in and day out. I would train like that Monday Monday through Friday, Saturday, I'll just do my boxing workout, and then Sunday it was a rest day. Now my my boxing schedule is: I would Monday, Wednesdays, Mondays and Wednesdays I have strength and conditioning, boxing workout, and then I will have a run. Tuesdays and Thursdays I have a swim after my boxing training. The difference now is just that everyone who I'm surrounding myself with now, like these people I I care about, and it's like it's no choice. Like I have a choice of who's around me now. Back then, it was like being in the army. Everything is assigned to you. Mm-hmm. Coaches, like you had to make a way. Like you had to adjust to your leadership, basically. Like if it's a coach that's teaching me something I didn't like, or didn't understand, I had to just make do with what I had. And with now, I'm in a situation where it's all about chemistry. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it feels good, like being being able to just be around people you like, would hang out with, regardless if it was boxing or not. Box, you wasn't boxing. Yeah, that's really interesting. I guess I have to ask, since this has been a common theme so far, is like, wh- where do you think you got your mentality from? This this super gritty work ethic that you seem to have, like, is that was that something that's always kind of been inside you, or is that is there like your upbringing kind of forced that in some way? Where where do you think that comes from? I think it forced it in a way because I remember um, my father was in um, prison, and I used to always tell myself. I used to basically brainwash myself and tell myself that because my father's in prison, I got to work harder than everyone else because they got advantages that I don't. I always wanted that father who would be in the backyard screaming at me to do the drill faster. Like I used to see kids like go through that. Like, for example, Tefimo Lopez, mm-hmm. 
135 pound champion. His father used to be on his case all day, every day. He used to be looking down. I used to be like, man, I wish I had that. So I was like, I didn't have that. So I had to be that for myself. So mm. even now, if I'm like, if I have to, I know I have to run and I don't feel like running, I'm like, it's like a voice in my head, like, bro, get up. And I just get up and get it going. I'm definitely grateful for that. Yeah, just like an extra responsibility that you have that a lot of other people just don't even have to worry about, but that can push you over the top versus another person who's kind of just had it easier. I see a lot of people, too, like that, that they get mad when their parents or, or authority yells at them and chews them out, but that's kind of impressive that you kind of, you're your own boss in that way. Right. Yeah, you know, it's crazy because I see those, like, they made shows about it and, like, what is it, like, coach or parent or something like that, but... They used to say um, people didn't know how to switch between the two. But I'm like, man, I used to dream for something like that. Like, I want that that parent that is like, yo, because you know that, that parent going to have your, your best interests at heart. Like, all the time, you don't have to question it. Right. So I know it's a great feeling, but down the line, it's either you go two ways when you have that. It's either they appreciate it or they, they fuck them up mentally. Yeah. Kind of just dealing with like pressures and everything, like having a lot of responsibility. How do you deal with like the pressure of a fight? No, knowing that you're not only the main entertainment for the entire crowd, but that the other fighter also has a job to accomplish. Honestly, I try to um always try to brainwash myself and get myself in a headspace that I'm I'm out here doing what I love. Like yes, yeah, serious business, and you could die in the ring. Any like any, one punch could be your last, but. You gotta just be grateful for being able to do what you love because there's so many people who don't have the opportunity at all. Like it's people who sit at a job miserable. So I just try to um, keep my head, my headspace in. You doing what you love, have fun, and win. Like at all costs. Like I'll get the job done. Mm-hmm. Right. So out of all the trainers that you've had the opportunity to work with, who would you say made the biggest impact on your game, and what made them stand out? Honestly, I feel like every trainer that I worked with from when I was a little kid up until now has played a part in adding something to me or something like that. Even a negative, like, I always try to make negative things into positive. Like, even the coaches, I'm like, I would never work with this guy fucking again. I'm like, okay, what what was he doing that I didn't like? Okay, I when I get with another coach, make sure those qualities or those drills or anything like that, not in it. Because I'm always want to be a fighter who's looked at as coachable. You don't ever want to be that guy who's mm-hmm. like, Oh, that fucking guy thinks he knows all everything or has all the answers. That's interesting, yeah. And like I feel like if you if you're not buying into what your coach has to offer too, and then you're getting pointed at as not being coachable, it's a lose lose situation then. Right. And it's so irritating, like when a coach thinks you're uncoachable, but it's really like, no, you're just teaching me something that I'm like grasping the concept of. Can you teach me in a different way? Mm-hmm. Right. All right. But pe- everyone don't think like that, like the coaches, so they, yeah, yeah, they just quit to like write you off as uncoachable, like right? mm-hmm. that guy's uncoachable. When when the coaches like them, they themselves need to be coachable and flexible in the same way that you have to be. Right, and I like, and I dealt with some coaches where it's like, is either you gonna do what I say or that's it? Like, yeah, that was their mindset. And I was just like, bro, you're teaching me a certain boxing style, and you're fucking six three, six four, and I'm a mm-hmm. five eight. I'm five eight, like we things don't work the same for you yeah especially in the right. sport of boxing too where you know like for a baseball or football team you have like one or two coaches but for boxing you're hopping through 
a bunch of different mediums and you're meeting a bunch of different people and you're sparring with a bunch of different people. So you have to be open and flexible to like learn new techniques and just like be able to be coached. Right, exactly. And man, it's boxing is like a dog eat dog world. So you could be having like great chemistry with your coach, but someone else is coming in your ear with money. Like, oh man, I can have you knocking out everybody and mm-hmm. things like that. So you gotta do it. That it's like you gotta have a you gotta be really strong. You gotta have that sense of loyalty with your trainer. You just gotta have a bond stronger than just being a boss trainer. They gotta be your trainer should be like your family. Yeah, I, I see that in the movies all the time where the the big wig coach comes and like I can get you this fight, and then it's like right, it ends up hurting them, but. So just talking more like on the uniqueness that you've like experienced in the industry, like who has been the most difficult opponent that you've had to face so far and what made them different from anyone else that you've faced? Oh, the most difficult opponent I've ever faced. Hmm. I don't know. One of the hardest sparring sessions I ever had was with Terrence Crawford. He's on the pound for pound king. And of um, he's like the best fighter, period. When it he's comes number, to number one. Yep. Number one, the Uno. Mm-hmm. Man, it's just he's so t- he's so different because he's like he is just so much to his game. Like turn southpaw, turn orthodox. He could be a pressure fighter. He can counter punch. It's like when you deal with guys who can do all those things, it's just really difficult to deal with. But you got to take it as a, a win because everybody's not getting that experience. So being in there with him, definitely. Like one time he dropped me with a body shot. Ooh, that was. <laughs> I don't want to do that again. Yeah. At all. And he'll he'll switch from like southpaw to orthodox too, right? Like without even you won't even notice it. It's like <laughs> he just switched in front of you. Like hold on, like you gotta you gotta adjust yourself. You like hold on, this dude just switched switched up on me. So our next question is actually about your sparring sessions with Terrence Crawford and Jamel Herring. Real quick, since you kind of just talked about those, but how did how did they go, and what like what did you learn from those guys? Each sparring session was always a, learn, a learning experience. I had to um, teach myself with Bud because with Bud, I, I was in a mindset. Like, I was just excited to be in there with him. So you so excited that you're like not even doing your game plan and you gassing yourself out from being so excited. So he taught me how to be really relaxed and comfortable and just flowing, basically. Being in there with those guys, you gotta, you can't focus on what they're doing. You have to focus on what you're doing because if you focus on what they're doing, you're playing their game. And then you just get lost in the loop. Like it's crazy, but it's definitely fun. You get that learning experience, and they give you pointers after and tell you like, "Hey, man, you gotta do this more. You gotta do those things." Like their whole team is like put together like a family. So being a part of that is just a whole different experience. Right, right. And those guys have so much experience under their belts too that can only help. You right, got the years and years of experience under their belt. Talking on like experience real quick, I kind of wanted to shoot it back a bit. You've, you've mentioned it a couple times, the WCAP program at in the Army. How exactly like was that process for you? I know it took you a couple years to get into it. And once you got into it, like what did it look like for you? I know you were even able to train like at an Olympic facility every day. Right. Um. So WCAP and the OTC are like hand in hand as far as resources. They basically the same thing. It's just that you basically on Olympian for the army and then it's like you are you can make the Olympic team for the United States and it was it was a great experience. You know, it took a long time to get there honestly because you have to be qualified and more and just you have to be qualified with boxing and then you have to 
meet the criteria as far as the soldier. Mm-hmm. So it's just very different. I don't know. Sometimes I work. I don't know. It'll be some days. It was when I had bad days. It'd be like, damn, man, I worked real hard to get here. And I'm, I'm bullshitting. Like I'll be hard on myself. Like I'm bullshitting. I worked really hard to get here. And then on my best days, so I'm like, man, I love this because it was. I felt real patriotic. Like, bro, I get to represent my country as a fighter right now. Like nobody has this opportunity out of the whole U.S. Army. It was a hundred soldiers in the program. Damn. So it was just, yeah, it was very different. All right, so what style of fighting would you consider yourself to fight under, and how does that affect your game plan when training and fighting? So naturally, I'm a counterpuncher. I have great legs. I feel like I'm a very complete fighter. I can do everything in the ring. Not to say I'm cocky or anything like that. I can do, but I know my way in the, in the ring. So if I have to if I have to go forward, if I'm boxing the back foot, I could do either with no problem. Um, like like Bruce Lee said, like be like water. Like I'm that guy where I could do everything in the, in the ring. I can actually switch too. Really, that's cool. So right. you gave yourself the nickname, or or you have the nickname GDFE, the greatest defensive boxer ever. Where did that kind of come from, and is that kind of does that go into your fighting style? It definitely does. Um, so GDFE came from I wanted to set my myself apart from everyone else, and I needed. A, I got to the point where I was like, I needed big goal to go out there so it can make me even more hungry so i was like i'm, I'm gonna go down in history as one of the greatest defensive fighters ever because those guys they don't ever get hit and after boxing i want to be well spoken and i want to be able to carry myself and right. speak to women and everything like that and i have a problem issues i don't want anyone looking at me like oh most boxers they're stupid i don't want people to look at me in that way mm-hmm. so that's why I, I pride myself on not getting hit actually i, I met bernard hopkins right before I went into the army and I told him about my mindset of being one of the greatest defensive fighters ever. And I remember him telling me to keep, keep that mindset and those things that I'm doing, like the way I'm going about my boxing career is going to set me apart from everyone else. And that was like that motivation that just stuck with me. He probably don't even remember the conversation, but I remember it for sure. I got a picture too. <laughs> it's always cool. when you can like kind of link up with a legend like that and just ask him or talk to them, you know? Right. Like and he's super humble. That's the, the craziest part, like, I met all these guys, and they're, like, making millions of dollars, but they're, like, super humble, because, you know, on TV and stuff, it kind of gives you that push on the mind frame, like, oh, this guy might be an asshole, but none of these guys are like that at all. That's really interesting. So, speaking kind of just on these past, like, couple months and 2020 in general, how did COVID-19 affect your training and Olympic goals? So, in 2019... I lost at the qualifier to make the Olympic team. The guy I lost to, it was a split decision. He ended up going all the way and making the Olympic member team, basically, and being able to fight for a chance to make the Olympic team. So after I lost that fight, I was just like, I'm turning professional. Was, I'm, I'm never that guy who just sit there and dwell on a loss. I'm like, all right, what's the next goal? Because I got to keep moving forward. So when 2020 came around and COVID and everything hit, I'm like, COVID? And then I actually got COVID. Oh, my God. I got COVID, and I didn't even know I had it. And I tested negative for it, but I had all the symptoms. And then when I did have the symptoms, I tested positive. So it's weird. But COVID actually made me a better fighter. And the craziest, like, it's crazy because the boxing gym got closed down. Boom. So the only people who was making money in boxing were the guys who had private gyms. So I went to someone's garage. They had a gym in their garage. And I was like, 
how much you how much do I have to pay you a month? Okay, let's work. And I was in the garage training. I don't know, you can find those videos like mm-hmm. on um on my Facebook and things like that. Like I'm in a garage just working and it, I love the private gym now. Like I'm in a garage gym now. It's just it made me better. It made me you don't need a crowd to, to work. Like you just need you and I just need me I just need to be in there with some water. Give me some water. <laughs> and if somebody put my gloves on, I'm going to work. So it made me better. Then when I got back to a regular gym, it felt kind of weird. Like it was like, damn, I was used to not being around nobody. Now it's everybody watching, but it's like the same thing for me because I I get in a zone, I get in my flow state once I'm in there. Right, zoned in. So are the Olympics uh, still a goal that you have and still that you're chasing eventually down the line? So now that they they made this crazy rule that professionals can actually try to make the Olympic team until they reach a certain amount of fights. I don't have no ambitions to make an Olympic team. Unless I lost a, a limb or something, and then I went into the Paralympics because that's gonna be the only way I could compete. But no, I don't want to make any Olympic teams. I just, I feel like as an amateur boxer, that's the goal to make the Olympic team. After that, it's about being a real champion and in a professional ranks. I want to go down in history as one of the greatest defensive fighters ever. I want to be a real champion in multiple weight classes, and I want to make the Hall of Fame. Any goal to make an Olympic team, that's it's dead. Honestly, it's dead. I move forward from it. All right. And then speaking on some goals in general, what goals do you have for yourself after boxing? What like where do you where do you see you doing after your career is over? So right now, I really want to get into real estate, but I, I'm going to be doing that while I'm boxing. It's going to be a lot of things I want to set up. So after I'm done boxing, I could just get a beach house and just be that old guy, like waking up in the morning, go for my morning workout and then come back and just relax. I keep picturing myself like hair growing out i'm on, I'm still gonna get lined up and look clean <laughs> hair growing out and looking like worry free i really want to be financially free i just want to have that i just want to be able to go outside and just not have no worries like, i don't want any worries after my boxing career i want to make my snap and then just like flow i just want to flow through life i want to just enjoy life yeah. i just want to stand for something more than just being a fighter i want to be someone who inspires everyone to go for their goals chase their dreams and that's it like there's no point of living if you're not doing what you love mm-hmm. that's really cool well ho- hopefully we can get part of that message out right now you know inspiring people yeah 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 that's what it's about for real like you gotta what tupac said he might not change the world but he might spark the mind that changed the world mm-hmm. he said something like that i didn't say it word for word but i said something <laughs> similar <laughs> well just making an impact in general right Right. So, you want to get into these quick questions that we have? Yeah, that's cool. What awesome. do you guys need? Awesome. First, who was your favorite boxer growing up? Growing up, my favorite boxer was Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. Really, Mike Tyson. I just really, really love the idea of somebody having all these flaws and you're throwing it in your face and saying, it's either you're going to accept it or fuck you. Like, I don't know. It's just- <laughs> <laughs> he's probably my favorite too. He's yeah, he's legit. Uh, did you play any other sports growing up? Growing up, I was really into football. Like, and then I realized I'm only going to be five eight, and I was like, <sighs> maybe I got to keep moving forward from this. But I really was into football, and then I was I was into track, running on track and field. But I was I used to get pissed off that they kept putting me on eight hundreds. <laughs> So I left it alone. I was like, I'm going back to boxing, bro. You got me throwing 800s every time I'm out here, bro. I just want to do the fast stuff. Let me get a 100-yard 100, 100 dash. 
guys keep making me do 800s. I hate 800s. It's probably because you had a better endurance than mostly everyone there. Yeah, but it sucked though, because I'm like, I want to do the, I want to uh-huh. do 200 and uh-huh. it's like that. They're like 800. You know, like, that's like a real disciplined race. So you got to go strong the first run and then you got to wheel it out the second one. You got to do that seven, eight times a day. It's like, bruh. Yeah, it's a lot. Right. In your free time, if you even watch TV, what's your favorite show to binge watch? <laughs> Power. Power, all right, all right. Okay. Yeah, Power, because it's like, this man is like suave, and then he's like a killer on the side. It's like, <laughs> yo, I love Power. Like, this man here. Matter of fact, for no one, just call me James. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, James. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the uh, best food that you're able to cook? Steak. That's actually my favorite food, too. I always cook my steak medium. If you cook it anything more than medium, you might as well get a burger. All right, all right. What is a special talent or hobby outside of boxing that just, like, the common person wouldn't know about about you? Outside of boxing, what else can I do? Mm. I'm really into catching iguanas. Ooh. Okay. Now, that might not mean, like, a, a, a real skill, but... To chase the iguana down and <laughs> grab it with bare hands, like everyone can't do that. It's just a skill. Mm-hmm. I've, are, I've never heard that before, so I like that. Yeah, so I used to have this thing. Me and all my friends growing up, it used to be this tall fence, and all the iguanas would be on the other side of the fence from the <laughs> lake, just chilling, sunbathing. We'd be like, we're going to go get them. We'd sneak up on them, and then we take off running. <laughs> so the iguanas that were like bigger than usual, they couldn't fit through the holes through the fence, and then that's where we catch them. That's I had a fit tank with like 80 wannas in it before. <laughs> Those things are kind of scary though. They're like dinosaurs. One time I came across an orange iguana. He had to be like, no matter of fact, he was like orange, but he was turning brown at this time. So he was really old. He was so big, I was like afraid to grab him. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just let you have this. <laughs> I'm going to let you handle your business. Go ahead and do your thing. <laughs> I also like fishing too. Yeah, so I used to go fishing with my great grandfather, and I used to, I used to always be scared to grab the fish off the hook. That's the only thing I used to be scared. But now I'm not scared, of course. But just fishing is super, super peaceful, super chill, and I'm just a people person in general. So anything that has to do with like outside of boxing, being around a lot of people and things like that, I love it. And I love talking. I love, I love talking and being around pretty women and like being super confident around them because it's like crazy how uncomfortable men can be around women so I'll, I'll just take pride in that you know just being a little smooth sometimes <laughs> <laughs> alright last question favorite artist and what's on your pre or your warm up playlist my favorite artist don't don't get on my case but Drake is the GOAT for me super diverse content, like super consistent super diverse I love listening to Drake but when I'm in the gym, I love hearing 90s music. So Biggie, Tupac, everything, um, Montel, Jordan, all those guys. It's like I have it's like different days. Like some days I have 90s music, and some days I go way back to the 70s and 80s with James Brown and all these old old heads. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I go way back, and I call it the playlist is actually called Rhythm because that's like that rhythm music right there. And I also like. Afro beats. I don't know if you guys heard of it. Who like Burna Boy or something? Yeah, like yeah. Burna Boy. Uh-huh. Like, like it's starting to pop right now. 
Man, I listen. To, I can listen to that all day. That's cool. Are you on Spotify? Or I'm not on Apple Music. All right. Hey, but and I like I like Justin Bieber. It's like that song Peaches is pretty. Like I like that song. I like that song. It's vibey. Right, like he's just like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We get. I'm gonna invite him to. The, I'm gonna invite you guys to the barbecue. I'm inviting Justin Bieber. To the All barbecue. right, bet we're down. We'll fly. We'll fly down and just let us know. <laughs> hey, got- gang, gang. <laughs> <laughs> Well, All right, man. Well, that wraps it up yeah. for us. Really appreciate the time. That was a really fun interview. Really well-spoken guy. You got big things ahead of you, I can tell. I appreciate all the support, you guys. And We wish you the best of luck with your upcoming fight and with your career. We'll obviously be staying in touch. But, again, he's fighting this Thursday, April 22nd on Twitch. So make sure you tune into that. You want to shout out your socials real quick so people know what they are? Everyone can follow me at Daniel Bailey Jr. underscore on Instagram. Daniel Bailey Jr. on Twitter. Don't fu- don't add me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> We're too young you know, for see, Facebook. Right? But <laughs> you, you got to have the Facebook for the older family members, you know? You got to have the Facebook for them. But feel, feel, feel free to follow me if you guys want to DM me and ask me any questions about the military or anything. I'm a very um, approachable person. Just don't come in under my pictures with anything disrespectful because I'm just going to delete the comment. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. We're, again, wishing you the best of luck, and it was a pleasure. Yes, sir. More blessings. And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Black Lions Beats on YouTube. We'll have a link to it in the description. Also, make sure you all go give Daniel a follow on Instagram at Jr. underscore and on Twitter at Jr. Huge thanks again to Daniel for taking his time to come on the show. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the hottest underscore take pot. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time.